Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield. Joining me is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette and Baltimore Sun Newspapers. Chris Cervello, fresh off of his Daytona experience as our producer, he'll be doing Old Man Radio. Wow, I feel like John Oliver on last week tonight. Like, it has been a week, ladies and gentlemen, and it isn't even done. Uh, we have information on pro sports. We have information on basketball, swimming. The football schedule is out. There is a ton of stuff going on, so let's not belabor the point and jump right into it. Wags, I'm going to start with pro sports. I am so happy for Matt Nasita. He is on the New York Red Bulls travel roster. They have a great picture of him looking like a badass. He gets to play for New York in this next uh, MLS season. But that, typical baseball players, right, like stealing the spotlight that was not the biggest pro sports story, as your story in the Capital Gazette this morning denoted. Noah Song, blast from the past, out there, you know, just flying P8s, working in the back, working that radar, all of a sudden gets released from his active duty obligation. He was picked up in the Rule 5 draft by the Philadelphia Phillies from the Boston Red Sox, and he has been given the opportunity to play. Now, being a Rule 5 guy, he's got to stay on the roster for the entire season. And Chris Cervello and I, as tortured Orioles fans, know exactly how either painful or really valuable that is for your favorite team. You know, for every Anthony Santander who Rule fives his way right into a starting outfielder spot for years, there is a Nestor Cortez who we dumped off of our Rule 5 experiment, and then all he did was flirt with the uh, Cy Young Award with the New York Yankees last year um, after being given back to his organization. Wags, you talked to Noah yesterday. There's a lot to discuss. I'm going to bring in Chris Cervello on this, but what is your take on Noah Song's situation? He's going to be in a Philadelphia Phillies uniform come opening day. Well, I'm happy for Noah because I know he had a dream to attempt to reach the major leagues, and he will now truly begin that journey in earnest. Uh, he played very briefly with the Boston Red Sox affiliate in the New York Penn League, uh, Lowell. Uh, but that was just a little two-month audition. He looked good. Um, really, his status was reaching peak in terms of prospect because right after that stint with Lowell, he was with Team USA and, and shined and was probably the best pitcher for Team USA. And his stock was soaring. And then things got sideways. and. Noah petitioned for early release uh, and was not going to go to flight school. And then, as we all know, and you know, we've discussed this a million times on this pod and in amongst ourselves, things went sideways. He uh, wound up going to flight school and, you know, he completed flight school in a year, which seemed rather quick to me. And then he got his wings of gold in, in April of last year. And he served, from my count, about eight months as, and he was stationed at uh, Jacksonville Air Station, and, and now he's out. And I talked to Ward Carroll, uh, uh, our podcast teammate who knows naval aviation as well as anyone, um, and he said that, tra that uh, Noah had eight years of active duty, so he's effectively gotten out of seven plus years of active duty service. It's rare that they train you and then cut you loose. Uh, but, you know, Noah's reports the Philadelphia Phillies training camp in Clearwater, Florida. He's undergoing, uh, probably undergoing uh, physicals right now. And he's got to try to get up to speed. This is going to be a, a, a ramp up that's going to be difficult. He has not pitched competitively in three years since 2019. And it's not going to be easy for him to get back to the level he was when when he was pitching for Team USA. And and 
like you said, he has to stay on the Philadelphia Major League roster for the entire season or be offered back to the Red Sox. That's the way the Rule 5 works. Um, it, it's a real gamble by Philadelphia. It could end up being uh, paying huge dividends and getting a great pitcher for virtually no investment. Or he could be going back to the Red Sox, and the Red Sox would be the ultimate winners. And I feel bad for the Red Sox because they're the team that drafted him. They're the team that gave him a signing bonus. They invested in Noah. And if the Phillies pull this off and he sticks with the Philadelphia organization, the Red Sox are going to be the big losers in this, John. Yeah, I talked to Reed Grignani, who was the Red Sox scout who drafted Noah, shoot, four years ago. All right, so let, let's, let's center everybody's timelines here. Four years ago, Noah graduates. Uh, in the class of 2019, leading up to that draft, and draft day was in early June after his commissioning, you know, the Red Sox are sniffing around him. He's one of four Golden Spikes finalists, okay? Like, so he is up there on the stage with a guy named Adley Rutschman, who won the Golden Spikes that year, as one of the four finalists for baseball's equivalent of the Heisman. Gets drafted in the fourth round. If he weren't at Navy, the prevailing thought was that he was a first rounder and probably was going to get a signing bonus slot in the millions. He gets way under slotted. I think at like a hundred K or much less than, than a fourth round draft pick would typically get. And then, as you said, it gets sideways, but before it got sideways, I mean, he pitched Lowell to the, to the single a, you know, world series, you know, or the pen, you know, the pen series. And, and so he is not a scrub pitcher. Let's just ask Bobby Applegate, his old pitching coach. He is good. And even if he's taken three years off and, and the quote in your story, Wag, stood out to me, he was like, yeah, basically I've just been you know playing catch with my friends for three years. Going from that to being on a 26-man roster, I mean, I know you threw 99 three and a half years ago, but that that is a reach. Chris, I know that there are, you know, implications here in terms of naval service and things like that. And we on this podcast have been very vocal about letting people go out there and be a recruiting value to the services by playing pro sports. But the second that Noah went to flight school, it kind of became a different story, didn't it? I, I think it did. I mean, I'll start like from a glass half full standpoint, right? My view of this is this is why you need a policy that people stick to that is consistent across all the academies, that if you have a professional caliber athlete, they need to go directly from the academy without being commissioned and pursue that dream. And then if that dream doesn't come to fruition, then like Malcolm Perry, come back to the service and fulfill their commitment. Um, that is by far the best way to do this. It's best for the individual. It's best for the academies. I think it's best for the U.S. taxpayer. Yeah, I, before this tone turns at all negative, and I thought that was a very measured and perfect take from you, you know, we're rooting for him. Yeah, we, we were involved in this process. I tried to help him. A lot of people tried to help Noah. And, and the fact that it got sideways before he went to flight school is what it is. Um, now I, I view it as, you know, that potentially great thing uh, for the Naval Academy's brand and image. That is the new Joe Cardona, um, you know, where you can serve, you can have it both ways. This well, one was a little bit different in that the investment down in Pensacola was significant, right, Chris? Well, it was. And the, the other question I have is because I haven't seen this. He He's out, right? He's not a reservist. I mean, that that to me is the difference between a Cardona or he it, Wags is shaking his head. So is he still a reservist? Yeah, he's he'll still have to serve in a reserve capacity. Wags, you talked okay. to him yesterday. What's what's the uh, what's the skinny? Yes, he transferred to the reserves. So uh, he is separated from active duty. He said he re received the, the separation papers were drafted last week and his official final date as an active duty officer was February 21st of this week. And uh, that's why the news came out yesterday, Wednesday, that he was uh, out of off, off active duty and heading to Clearwater for Philly's training camp. But yes, he, he is transferred into the reserves. 
No, that I mean, that's an important piece. Look, and John, your your point about like before this goes negative is exactly right. There, there is no negativity um, towards um, Noah. My frustration is, is I'm just so disappointed at how the Navy, big Navy handled this. This could have been handled so much better and, and really should be the example for everybody on how not to do this moving forward. I really hope that he sticks on that roster uh, and that he sticks on a team because in the end, all of the other crap aside, you know, he got to go to the major leagues and I hope that he sticks in there and, and helps the Naval Academy brand get better. Guess who is playing for the Cincinnati Reds after being drafted in the 16th round of the 2022 draft? Trey Braithwaite. Remember him? Oh, I do. The old closer. Right. Former Navy pitcher who disappeared. Uh, following his senior season and never fully got story on that, but he did not graduate or commission. He transferred to West Virginia university and got drafted by the reds. And now some people that cover the reds are saying Trey is a pitcher to watch in their spring training camp. We're going to put a pin in the Noah song conversation, ladies and gentlemen, but hit us up on social media if you want to continue this conversation, let's change the narrative a little bit to basketball. Um, I'll start with women's basketball. Morgan Andrews uh, played a leading role in Navy's efforts Wednesday night. She grabbed a career-high 19 boards. What's up? It's like Juju Reese numbers, ladies and gentlemen. She got six offensive boards, and then she tossed in six points, two assists, and one block to round out a pretty impressive stat line. Uh, Lindsay Llewellyn had 15 points, but unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, the women dropped now to one and 26 on the year, which hurts me to say one and 15 in the Patriot League. Um, it has been a long, long, long season. It ends at Colgate this coming weekend. Um, and then they get to see who they play in the Patriot League tournament. But Wags, really quick before we talk about a huge men's win at American your thoughts as the uh, women's season wraps up. It's been a long agonizing season and I feel for coach Tim Taylor because I know he's worked so hard and I feel bad for the seniors who are going out this way. I do think the future is bright. There's some very good young freshmen, obviously the one freshman point guard, Tony, who got injured in the first game that things went south from the minute she got injured in the first quarter of the first game. Uh, Navy's going to be in the play-in game, John, uh, next early uh, in the tournament. And, uh, it, you know, it would be nice if they could win a tournament game in advance. But, frankly, th th this season, it, it can't end soon enough. It just a merciful finish would be nice. A team that will not be in the play-in game on the men's side is Navy. Daniel Deaver, who is just, is just killing it right now, he and Tyler Nelson combined for 26 points and led Navy, who is 18 and 11 now, and more importantly, 11 and 6 in conference, to a 70 to 54 victory at Bender Arena at American University. Um, another great win and a sixth road win in a row, Wags, which I think is kind of a sign of this team's toughness, which we have questioned situationally throughout this season. But Certainly, the momentum is going in the right direction now, Wags, and right in front of them this coming weekend is a chance to beat Colgate, send them a message before the tournament, secure the number two seed, which means you're playing at home until the trip to Hamilton. What are your thoughts on the men's basketball team? Well, this has just been an incredible run. They've won 10 of 11 games. It's remarkable. This team started Patriot League play one and five and was looking like it was going to be a complete underachiever. And they have turned it around remarkably. And now they can't get, they can't lose. And Deaver is, he's all Patriot League. I mean, he's having a first team all Patriot League type of season. He's averaging 13 and a half points a game, almost seven boards a game. He leads Navy with 81 assists. He, he's the straw that stirs the drink. I will be very interested to see how they play Colgate. Cause that, as you mentioned, it could be a harbinger for the Patriot league championship game. Um, the scenario is if Navy beats Colgate, regardless of what happens in any other game, Navy gets a second seed. If Navy loses to Colgate, it could still get the second seed. If Lehigh, which is tied on record with Navy, if Lehigh loses at Boston university on 
Saturday, Navy would still get the second seed. However, if Navy were to lose to Colgate, Lehigh beats Boston, then things flip. Lehigh gets the second seed, Navy gets the third, which means Navy would only have one home game and, and would be on the road in the semifinals. So Saturday is an important uh, day as far as seeding is concerned, John. Yeah, I think we all agree that we'd rather see Navy play at home, although the road record right now is pretty darn good. Finally, before we get to our first interview, which is with Navy baseball coach Paul Kostakopoulos as he previews the season, baseball has gotten underway and it got off to a tough start, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'll skip all the uh, all the road losses to Ohio and Virginia to start the year, but they opened up their home slate this week against Georgetown. Boo, the Villanova of D.C., they came down to Navy and beat Navy 18 to 10. 18 runs on the board, Wags. You know, they scored seven in the eighth and one in the ninth to really blow the doors off of the game. And you'll hear Costi talk about it in the interview that they were kind of in it. But right now, I don't think it is a question at all that pitching is going to be an issue for this baseball team. So before we hear from Costi Wags, what is your prognostication? Because 27 runs to Ohio, I think 20 runs to, to Virginia, and now 18 to Georgetown. You know, we, we just talked about Noah Song and Mitch Harris and this great line of pitching that's come out of Navy baseball. They need something like that this year or else it is going to be a rough, rough season for the scoreboard operator. Well, Kossi said when I did the interview for the preseason preview that the pitching was the key. They had to improve the pitching. Last year, staff ERA was up around seven. Well, right now it's up around 17 and uh, cannot continue to go the way that things have so far. Now, you know, Virginia's a powerhouse, so I'm not going to discount that game. UNC Wilmington was a team that's, Averaged something like eight runs a game last year, but the Georgetown game that, that that doesn't look good. I mean, you're at home, cannot deal with putting a, giving up 18 to Georgetown. So pitching better, pull it together very quick. They got a new pitching coach. Uh, he needs to get things in order quickly, John. Again, you know, really, really big week ahead, not just for basketball, but for baseball as they get, um, you know, they try to get out from under these losses. Uh, we'll continue to bring you those updates throughout. Let's go to break. When we come back, we'll have Navy baseball coach Paul Costacopoulos. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. As we talked about in the last segment, it's crunch time for men's basketball. This Saturday, February 25th at 4 p.m., Navy basketball returns to Alumni Hall to take on Patriot League leader Colgate. Don't miss out as the top two teams in the conference square off. There'll be all sorts of cool things going on at this game. It's senior day. There's a reversible bucket hat giveaway. And at halftime, the Expogo stunt team will perform. So for tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. And while you're on NavySports.com, grab your tickets for the Patriot League Men's Quarterfinal. Now, Navy will host next Thursday, March 2nd at Alumni Hall. Regardless of how they do on Saturday, we know that Navy will be either a second or third seed in the Patriot League tournament. And so they host that game. Hopefully they'll host more, but they at least host that game on March 2nd. So get on over to NavySports.com or call 1-800-US-4-NAVY and get those Patriot League tournament tickets. Now back to the pot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back and it's time for our coaches segment. We have been previewing the spring sports and we're going to continue to do so with Navy baseball. Sing Second Sports is so happy to be joined by Coach Paul Kostakopoulos. He begins his 18th season at the helm of Navy baseball in 2023, standing as the program's second winningest head coach with 500 victories, trailing only legendary Joe Duff, who has 595 Coach, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Preview the team for us. This is a team that was picked fourth in the Patriot League, and then the SIDs and coaches picked zero midshipmen as part of the uh, preseason um, All-Patriot League team, which I know can be billboard material, but you know, help us understand who some of these players are and why the Patriot League needs to watch out for them this season. 
Well, you know, I, I, first of all, you know, kind of going around the horn. I mean, we, we, we do return a lot of experience positionally. Um, you know, uh, Alex Smith has caught an awful lot, um, you know, over the last two and a half years, um, you know, um, unfortunately had a, 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 you know, kind of a, a upsetting loss of a player um, at Virginia, uh, Victor Escardo is just absolutely uh, just an outstanding player, you know, as a freshman, he, you know, he, he was ready to go. Um you know, at second, uh, Brock Murtha has gotten off to a great start. I think he's hitting over 600 or something right now, you know, as, as our second baseman. Eddie Diaz is the conference defensive player of the year, so he's got some experience. Logan Keller, although he didn't have the year that, you know, we had hoped last year, um, he's off to a great start. You know, he's hitting over 500. He's got himself back on the ball. Swing's going, you know, where it needs to be. You know, in the outfield, um, uh, you know, Colin Smith certainly uh, – you know, has, has done a rock solid job for us. I think we just have a lot of solid players, you know, and, you know, at some point at some time statistics and other things come into, to play on that stuff, but certainly have a lot of solid players that, um, you know, through some experience and as the year goes on, you know, I think we're going to do some really good things um, quite frankly, um, you know, from a positional standpoint, you know, and the, the pitching staff is, is, is something that we've just, you know, really working hard to get straight right now. Um, you know, and it's it's something that um, will be a continued work on in, in progress, and and it's got to get better for sure. Um, but I do like what they did in the off season. I, I you know I do like what we've did done overall in the off season. You know, getting them prepared. We just gotta we gotta get our feet on the ground. Yeah, coach, you, you mentioned the pitching, and and you started off the year you know just this past week on Friday. Uh, with a tough loss to Virginia, 24 to five, followed that up with games against UNC Wilmington, Ohio and Georgetown, Georgetown being the home opener just yesterday. Um, And in those games, you've seen some things pitching wise, but you've also seen a lot of runs on the board, Ohio scoring 27, Georgetown scoring 18 yesterday. Um, Walk us through the progression of this until you get to the Patriot League slate. And these pitchers can kind of start turning those box scores, you know, upside down and and putting up some small numbers. You know, it's um, I think it's one of those things where, you know, you got to get some length with your starting pitching, um, especially when you're you're relatively thin and in the bullpen. And early on, you know, we, we really shorten up those starts and. And, you know, we're using a lot of guys right now. Some of our guys I don't think are, you know, probably quite ready, you know, so we got to use this next three weeks. If you talk about a progression of getting ready to pitch in college. Um, And I think that part of it is, is, is what we need to do over the next three weeks. I think for the pitching staff, it's critical that, that we get some things done um, being more comfortable throwing to hitters, more comfortable throwing to competition you know, as we go, we we think we put together some good bullpens and, and you know, from a standpoint of a lead up uh, to the season, uh, you know, but as the lights went on, you know, we kind of figured out we need to we need to fix some things in the sense of being uh, capable of getting really good division one hitters out. And, you know, that's that's part of the game that has changed wildly in the last probably three years because you're playing against a lot of 22 and 23 year olds right now. Um, and that matters, you know, it, it matters in, in process and in, in, as far as what that, that offense is presenting um, right now. And, you know, there, there's some old fellows out there, you know, playing a game right now. Wow. Coach, you alluded to uh, losing Victor. And when you and I spoke for the preseason uh, story that we did, the preview, you had, talked about how excited you were he is an, a, an uncommon talent and you expected him to come right in and and provide power um and he was an outstanding fielding first baseman as well what what happened with victor and will he be back this season um you know unfortunately he's uh you know he is not going to be back this season he had a, a very severe um you know hamstring um you know, I, I, I don't want to, I don't know medically exactly what it is, but it's, it's, it's pretty severe where it's going to take a surgical repair to, to fix it. So he's, he's going to be out and that's unfortunately two innings into the, into the year. So uh, just simple play, you know, meaning first baseman stretching, got a little overextended, caught a spike and, and, and really, uh, you know, injured himself. So that's disappointing. I was excited just from a, a baseball person to see him play. I mean, he, he's just, he's just 
He's six two. He's physical. He's he's just. I was excited. So you know, uh, but that does happen in sports. He's gonna be fine eventually. Um, and um, you know, I I've never liked the term. I I know this is not a coach thing, but I've never liked the term "move on." You know, um, because I I think that that isn't um, entirely. You have to keep playing and understanding, but you know, um, it's something that you know when you see a young person like that miss. It's it's hard to just switch this uh, switch, so to speak, and quote move on. So I, I really feel for him, and uh, you know, like I said, he'll be back. But I think the people who come watch our games are gonna they they miss something special this year because he is a unique player. Well, I saw that it since uh, Victor went down, you've put Alex Smith at first base. And a freshman, Mac McCommons, at catcher, you had expected Alex Smith to be your everyday catcher. And now you're having to move him to first base. And I'm concerned about that because I kind of like the idea of a more veteran guy behind the plate with this pitching staff. Where do you think you're going to go moving forward? Is this your only move that you have Smith at first and the freshman behind the plate? Or what else can you do, Costi? No, we, we have some other things. We we got some flexibility in what we do uh, from a standpoint of uh, who plays first base and how that affects us. I think in the Patriot League, um, you know, following it, you, you have to develop a second catcher. He's got to, you play too many double headers not to do that. Um, so we need to continue to work him in. But I think we got some some ideas to move some people around, um, you know, certainly uh, going to use the next couple of days over the weekend to to be able to um, to address that. Um, you know, the common thing was to be able to do what we've done, but do it far less. Obviously, we can't do that anymore because Victor's Victor's not here. But, you know, I think Logan Keller can get, get over there. Obviously, Ivan and Gary um, can play. I, I don't mean first base, but as we shift some pieces around, you know, he certainly can get in the infield and and, and play. So we're working on that right now um, and, uh, you know, making sure that we have a more of a, you know, probably a viable uh, a viable way to go. But you're always going to catch your second catcher in, in Patriot League baseball. Doubleheaders. Doubleheaders are really tough, you know, to catch one guy. So in, 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 in pra- probably getting Mac the experience, and he's a very good receiver. He's he's outstanding. He's as uh, you know. I think it's more on his offense um, that is probably uh, you know more of the challenge. And that that being said, I think he's he's solid back there. And and you know we're going to use him. You know we're going to use Mac as well. One positive I saw from yesterday's game: Logan Keller with four hits. We had talked in our preseason chat about Logan bouncing back from a little bit of a subpar offensive season for him, considering he led the Patriot League and runs batted in the year before. Uh, it looks like Logan's hitting the ball. Are you pleased with where he's at? And you feel like offensively, you're, 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 it seems like the offense has not been the issue early on. No, I mean, no, the offense has not. And absolutely, Bill, he's a, he's a key, you know, to, to what we do offensively. Um, and to see him get off to a really good start, um, you know, after, you know, not, not having as good a year as we wanted. And, 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 and that's huge, uh, just simply because, um, He's a big bat and a big presence, and and we get him going. Our offense is going to be going to be all right. And and to your point, it our offensive approaches have been pretty good. Um, to be honest with you, um, you know we swung the bat well yesterday. I, I I like the fact even in a microcosm, you know one one game, you know we're losing nine to two. We've we've, we've taken some shots over the first three games. That's a 10-10 ball game going into the top of the eighth inning. You know, um, battle back, got to where we needed to be. Um, I like where Eddie's at. Eddie looks – Diaz looks better on offense. Uh, I like the fact that, you know, we we got an extra boost from Brock Murtha offensively, meaning I, I I didn't know that he would get off to this kind of start. Um, so I really think we're swinging the bat, and and um, I think we're going to be able to score some runs. Uh, and, and over time, you know, leading up to the first Patriot League game, we got to settle this pitching thing down, you know. And and I think once we get those two things going, you know, we're gonna we're, we're gonna be able to compete and do what we need to do. Well, I'll just interject real quick that for the listeners, Brock Murtha is a transfer from Notre Dame, which you don't see very often. And Notre Dame has a very strong program; they're a perennial NCAA tournament participant. So Brock Marth is a very talented player and it 
speaks volumes that he transferred and had to start over. He's a plebe after already having spent a freshman year at Notre Dame. And Eddie Diaz was the Patriot League Defensive Player of the Year last season, an outstanding player. Um, I'll pass it back to John or maybe Chris Cervello, our producer, might have a question. Yeah, Coach, I, I just wanted to um, ask about recruiting. I mean, I know that it's the beginning of the season, but you're already starting to look to ne- next year. I just wanted to know how, how that's going and, you know, what your thoughts are on, uh, you know, as you uh, talk to to juniors and seniors and, you know, what the future looks like be- beyond just this season. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great question. Um, uh, I, I think we have the best recruiting class we've had um, probably – since I've been here, to be honest with you, um, you know, if you look at the, you know, the rating, so to speak, not that that's everything, but it's the first time, um, you know, we had the campus truly back uh, this class, meaning last year we got our campus back open again, you know, the yard. And and we really use that. And over my years here, our, our number one thing in recruiting, we don't put guys up in hotels. We don't do any of that stuff. It's experience and um, the, the Naval Academy and, you know, from March of, uh, 2020 till June 7th of 2021, we did not have a, a, uh, you know, a, a recruiting visit. Uh, nobody could come on campus. So opening up that the last year, meaning this past fall, getting those guys in here, I think was huge and, and be able to get back to some of that stuff, but really do like what we have coming in, um, you know, from a recruiting perspective, um, You know, it is more of a challenge right now um, because we are dealing with such a huge bucket of players that are in the transfer portal. It's just become what it is. Uh, You guys discuss this all the time on your shows. And, you know, so we don't have to go into the weeds. But, you know, that is a huge part of the process right now um, in, uh, you know, in in kind of recruiting as well. Um, And we're still going to be a freshman dominated recruiting class. Bill made a great point. It's kind of unique to have somebody come back and start all over again as a plebe because uh, you don't have a, the opportunity to bring your credits with you. So, um, but I think that, like I said, the recruiting looks, you know, I, I'm very happy with what's coming in next year. And, um, you know, we need to have, you know, better recruiting classes, but I, I still, I'm, you know, I'm old school, you know, you got to recruit, um, you got to recruit the Naval Academy. These people are doing something that are, is wildly different and wildly important. And I, I, I think if when you bring in players, they better have a full or at least as full an understanding and familiarity as you can possibly have, you know, bringing guys on here. So having that back, I think, has helped us an awful lot. Well said, Coach, and we appreciate you coming on, as always, to give your perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, this baseball team gets on the road and plays a team that I like to call Air Force uh, this weekend, uh, February 24th through the 26th. That's down in North Carolina. Circle your calendars, ladies and gentlemen. They are back at home on Wednesday, March 1st against Coppin State before welcoming in UMass for a three-game series on March 4th. Other Dates to circle. St. Patty's Day, always a happy day. That's the Patriot League opener against Bucknell. And then finally, Army for the Star Series, starting that three-game series on April 22nd. Come on out and support Coach Costacopoulos and the Navy baseball team. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. And we can't wait to have you on during the year to catch us up with how the team is doing. Thank you so much, guys, for taking time out. Um, All the best. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's Coach Paul Costacopoulos. We are going to go to break. This is Sing Second Sports. This is for our junior midshipmen. Hey, kids, looking for a great way to celebrate your birthday? Have your party at a Navy sporting event with the Bills Birthday Party Package. Your special day can include a pregame party featuring treats from Chick-fil-A, Fisher's Popcorn, and Nothing Bunt Cakes, as well as game tickets, a video board recognition, and more. For more information, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY. Now back to the pot. All right. Awesome conversation with Costi. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to pivot to the old pugilist. I'll fight you 1950s boxing. A huge part of the Naval Academy, ladies and gentlemen, is boxing. And this coming Friday night, Wags is going to get all bunged up in his tuxedo Get down there with the Annapolitan Club to Alumni Hall 
for the first bout at 7 p.m. If you've been following us on Instagram, we talked to Coach McNally this week. Wags, I'll let you kind of preview this interview with McNally. But in addition to all the other great bouts where people are going for championships, bout number 10 between Aiden McNally, yes, that's Coach McNally's son, and Adrian Johnson, I like to call him AJ, they are undefeated and going at it. That is probably the marquee, like Jim Lampley, Larry Merchant on HBO boxing match that you want to watch. You know, give me your preview before we talk to Coach McNally. Yeah, that's definitely the fight at the top of the card, if you will. Um, that's going to be my preview for the event, is focusing on this matchup. I think it's very interesting. McNally and Johnson both have an opportunity to become four-time champions, and they have one of them is going to forego that opportunity because they're fighting each other. And, you know, Jim McNally, the coach, even said a lot of Navy boxing fans have said, are you crazy? You're letting them do this because it's such a big deal. You're making history as a four-time champion. You get a special award, the Tony Rubino award named in honor of the former coach. And it is not something to just pass up lightly. And, and one of these, Two boxers is going to give up that great opportunity to be on a, a board that hangs in the the McDonough Hall gym when they get back in there, and also when the program of, of, of Brigade Boxing Championship night, the program lists all the four time winners. There's not that many. It's a very elite list, and so I I applaud these guys. They didn't want to. Bottom line, if if they had not fought each other, they would be killing somebody who's completely overmatched and. They want to earn this four-time champion uh, title. They, they want to beat somebody good, and they know that the best boxer in the gym is the other. And uh, you know, McNally normally fights at 147, and his father told me that he walks around at 150, so that's his natural weight. Johnson actually has to cut weight to go down to 139, but you know, he when he normally without cutting weight, he is up close to 147. So this is not a mismatch weight wise. However, there is dramatic difference in height. Aiden McNally is probably like four inches taller than AJ. So um, it's going to be an interesting fight of a contrast of styles. Johnson wants to get in and bang. He's an inside guy. Aiden's got to keep him. You know, he's got to stay on the outside and, and counterpunch. So it'll be a very, very interesting fight strategically. And I, I was asking Coach McNally because I worry when you have a big showdown like this, you know, sometimes the boxers do a lot of, uh, you know, of sizing each other up and not really engaging. But Jim McNally has promised that this will be a battle royale. They're going to go toe-to-toe. They're going to box. They're going to mix it up. So I think the fight fans are going to be in for a, a heck of a matchup in bout number 10 on Friday night at Alumni Hall. Yeah, something tells me that they're going to come out like Hagler and Hearns back in the day when that first round was just must-see TV. Um, I, I honestly cannot wait to see this boxing match. So let's stop talking about it. Let's have Coach McNally give you a quick update. Here's our interview with Coach we are here. Wags and I are actually inside of a ring here in Dahlgren Hall, which is a pretty cool experience, as you well know. McDonough is being renovated, and so boxing goes on the road. They go into Dahlgren, but the show on Friday night, ladies and gentlemen, brigades, will still be in Alumni Hall. We are so happy to be joined by Coach McNally to help Wags and me navigate what's going to happen on Friday night. Coach, I know that bout 10 is the big one. You know, two undefeated guys, AJ, your son, Aiden, you know, fighting in a pretty big match. They're undefeated. Let's see who goes forward. But there are a whole lot more uh, really interesting matches on the card on Friday night. Walk us through what, you know, will be special about that night. Not just brigades writ large philosophically, but some of the bouts that you're really looking forward to. Well, we always have uh, some great matches when we get to the finals. Uh, everybody's been working hard. We've been working since August. We're a sport that doesn't get a much of a break. We get Christmas. So that's the only time we get off, and then we go to April. But uh, looking forward, uh, you know, some of the women bouts. The first one, Dally Johnson. She's a senior. She's going against a sophomore, um, Kenzie Moore. That'll, that'll, you know, Dally. She's been working really hard, and, and uh, this hopefully her year to go on to nationals uh, and, and be a champ. 
Um, Jasmine Brown, another senior. She's boxing another sophomore, Emily Spencer. Emily um, beat a good boxer last week, so but Jasmine's really good. Uh, Abby Pigeon, national champ, 147. Uh, she's got to believe Abby's a senior, so. Um, you know, Sen- seniors love banging on plebes. We know that. And if a plebe can pull off the upset, they're the hero. You know. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I-, I think you don't get uh, you don't get rates for the rest of the year. Wags, you've been covering this for so so long, and I know it goes beyond just you know individual fights on the card, but it's the you know Annapolitan Club marching in in their tuxedos. It's it's how it grips the city of Annapolis. You know, for you, being the resident and Annapolitan historian, how special is brigade boxing? Oh, I, I started covering this uh, after Joe Gross stopped, and Joe did it for years and did a great job. But it's, it's just something that defines the Naval Academy and defines Annapolis. I mean, boxing is a re- one of the required, you know, you have to take physical education, and boxing is a physical edu- education course. Uh, I think... You tell me the plebes all have to take boxing at some point, right, Jim? All male and female plebes take it first semester. Yep. Right. So it's just a requirement, and it's part of you know what you have to do to get a graduate from the Naval Academy. But then the people who choose to stick with boxing and make that their physical mission element are very special. And they, you know, four years with coach and the great coaching. I mean, nobody's better coach than Jim McNally. He's got great help with Jim Searing, who's been with him forever, and so. These kids learn how to become good boxers, and by the end, I've seen some pretty outstanding boxers by the time they're seniors, people that are four-time champs, and that's why I'm really interested in this bout between Jim's son, Aiden, and Adrian Johnson, because both of them could be four-time champs. They're giving up the opportunity, one of them, uh, to so they can have a battle royale, and that's what I'm kind of here to do a story about, but it's an incredible atmosphere in Alumni Hall. The entire brigade turns out, rooting for the people in their company. It's just so much excitement going on. Jim's in his... Uh, you, do you wear your tux? Uh, I will be in a tux, yes. Right. He usually <laughs> wears a tux. They have great ring announcer. Who is that gentleman that's on the ring announcing for years? Captain Doug Rowell. He does a fantastic job. He gets the crowd fired up. It's just awesome, John. You know it. I, I, I do know it indeed. And so, you know, Coach, we were talking before we went on air. You know, I'm going to ask you to put on your Larry Merchant hat. You know, speaking of, you know, amazing Philadelphia uh, boxing uh, experts. But, you know, about 10 between Aiden and AJ, you know, Wags, Wags previewed it. You know, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on what you're going to see? Obviously, Aiden lives in your house. You've raised him. But in a lot of ways, you've raised all of these kids. So you're going to watch it objectively, I'm sure. What are people sitting in the stands going to see? It's, it's, a, it's a classic matchup of boxer-puncher. Uh, Adrian is a banger. He's not real tall. So his, he's got to get inside on his opponents, and, and he beats on the body and comes up to the head. Uh, Aiden, on the other hand, can do that, but he also prefers to stick and move kind of box. So it's a classic, you know, Frazier-Ali type thing, a mover versus a, uh, a banger. But Aiden, Aiden will he'll have no problem going toe-to-toe with Adrian. They sparred a thousand rounds. They know each other. They're roommates. They're co-captains. They're both national champs. Um, it's just a great match, uh, these two guys, two, two excellent boxers. I mean, I, I've, I've been here a long time. I've had some great boxers. I've had boxers go on to the higher levels um, and, and do really well. Um, Aiden is probably one of my best boxers ever. And, and, and believe it or not, he didn't start boxing until he was a senior in high school. Um, I didn't coach him. And when he was young, he wanted to box at age 10. And I said, no, wait till you get to college. You know? and, um, but you know, to me, what the most coolest thing about this whole tournament is how well so many of these boxers, when they go out to the fleet as, as, as naval or marine officers or even go into the business world, how successful so many. We've had COs of, of right now, the current CO, SEAL Team 6, was one of our guys. COs of the Blue Angels, COs of multiple ships. I could just go one after another, all these guys that became COs. Senior guy in the FBI dealing with EOD stuff, you know. The guys who were in the CIA's special forces came from recon to JSOC to CIA. I mean, just guys have gone on and done amazing stuff. So it's not only we are these guys warriors, but then they go on to the fleet and use those warrior skills to serve our nation. Wags, 
I'm going to give you the last question here. You know, in addition to about ten with with Adrian and and um, and Aid McNally, but you know, in addition to that, you know, what are you looking forward to, and and why is this special? Well, again, to become a brigade boxing champion means a lot. I mean, that's a real notch on your belt, and it's not easy. You got to go through a ladder process. It's a lot of training. I mean, there's not a lot of people who want to put in the effort, and there's been people who were brigade champions as a sophomore or junior they couldn't repeat because they didn't put in continue to put in the work it's a lot of time spent in this ring you know sparring hitting the punching bag it, it's not easy and you got to be in shape you got to make weight there's just so many elements of boxing but as you said in the end it's it's one-on-one it's just like wrestling you can't blame anyone else i mean it's not the teammates fault the quarterback didn't throw you the ball it's you either you execute in the ring or you don't and that's what i love about the sport me too. Uh, Coach McNally was, you know, I think here back when uh, Ollie North boxed Jim Webb. Um, you know, all age jokes aside, Coach, I asked you this on video before, and I'm going to give you the last word. You keep coming back. You keep coming back here. And other than the pay, which I know is huge, you're getting big Larry Merchant money. Why do you keep coming back? Why do you keep mentoring and being around midshipmen? It's just an honor uh, to 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 work with these young men and women who are our nation's finest. And, and, uh, and I love Annapolis. What a great place to work. I once, West Point brought me up there years ago to, uh, they, their coach of 48 years had moved on and retired and they had some captains kind of running the program and, and they asked me to come up and observe and make recommendations. And I sat down with the head of the P department, this colonel for a couple hours talking. And when I got back here a day later, I got a phone call. I said, hey, the colonel wants to know if you'd be interested in coming to West Point. And I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> uh, I uh, agree with that um, wholeheartedly. Well, Coach, what time on Friday night should people show up uh, for the first bout? First bout, kick, we kick off. Right? We, don't, we start on time. This is one place we will start the bouts on time at 7 p.m. Free and open to the public. Five minutes for early means you're on time, ladies and gentlemen. For Bill Wagner and Coach McNally, I'm John Schofield. We'll see you on Friday night for Brigades. We're out. One more announcement before John and Wags take this baby out. Navy men's lacrosse tickets are on sale now. Join us at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium all spring long as the men's lacrosse team plays host to five more exciting home games, including matchups with Army and Johns Hopkins. For tickets, call 1-800-US4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We are going to take this out. Many thanks to Costi and Coach McNally for not only previewing the baseball season, but previewing Friday night's big brigade boxing championships. Like I said at the beginning, this has been a very, very busy week. I'm going to start with a very dramatic ending that led to Navy sweeping the Patriot League swimming and diving titles. Um, the men's team title at the Patriot League Championship was not decided until the last few yards of the final event of the entire four-day meet. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't get more exciting than that. Garrett McGovern, the junior from Nashville, Tennessee, he was trailing Army's Owen Hollow by one-tenth of a second midway through the final leg of the race, but he poured it on. Um won the event. We won the team title. We trailed by 47 points with three events left, but we totaled 856.5 to beat second place Army, uh, who had a total of 846.5. We beat them by 10. Sorry, Army, that sucks for you. Uh, We just, we own the pool. And as a lot of people know from our t-shirts from our friend Rob Hubert, mules can't swim. Speaking of what mules can't do is they can't wrestle against Navy either. The star went to the fighting Kerry Colats. Um, a lot of great results in that wrestling match. Wags, Cerniglia had a great showing. It, it, was, it was an all-around exciting match. But in the end, Navy kind of walked away with it. This is what Kerry Colat was hired to do, to come in and beat Army, get, get the stars, and Sir Niglia certainly seemed to be the, uh, the, the prime mover behind that. Well, you're exactly right, John. Army had beaten Navy in five of six matches between 2015 and 2020. And that's a big reason why the coaching change was made. And Kerry Colad has come in and Navy's now won three in a row in the series, which is back like old times because Navy has dominated this series overall. Uh, Sir Niglia clinched the match uh, with a 
and Navy wins 18 to 13. It was a tight one. Uh, but he came from behind to defeat Nathan Lucas, 7'2 at 157 pounds. Uh, he had a really nice move. It was like a four-point move. It was a reversal and takedown, I believe. But um, big win for him. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys showed up and performed. Uh, it was an impressive, impressive victory for Navy. Uh, Coderhan had a big decision. Brendan Ferretti had a nice victory for Navy. So uh, upper weights was key, John. Jacob Kozer at 197 with a big victory. Kozer has three career wins in a star match. Pretty impressive. And heavyweight Grady Grice, uh, he and Kozer had back-to-back shutout victories. So great performance by Navy Wrestling. Congratulations to Coach Gary Colette. Keep it up. Uh, next up, EIWA Championships. Everyone knows that when you come on the Sing Second Sports Podcast, it basically puts you in a position to win your next matchup. I mean, that's just canon. Everyone knows that. Um, that disturbance in the force that you felt, ladies and gentlemen, was Chris Cervello single-handedly breaking the Delta Airlines website as the Navy football schedule was released this week. We all knew that we were going to Dublin, Ireland to play Notre Dame on August 26th. Welcome to the job, Brian Newberry. You get a perennially top 10 team on the road in Dublin. That won't be hard or anything. But then we start off the home slate against Wagner. Uh, never seen their football team before. We go to Memphis, but then some other notable home games, ladies and gentlemen, South Florida, North Texas, Air Force, UAB, and East Carolina. Chris, I'm going to kick it over to you. What were your thoughts on this football schedule? Well, I bet you Kenny Montalolo is disappointed. Uh, I mean, this is, uh, I, I think, a, uh, I think it's a Navy-friendly schedule. Um, I mean, and we kind of knew that, right? I mean, with the teams leaving the American Athletic Conference, you go to Dublin and you play a, a tough one, like you said, against Notre Dame. Man, if we don't beat Wagner, we probably should, uh, you know, should just forego the rest of the season. And then you've got, you know, uh, Memphis at the Liberty Bowl, who we've uh, played well. You, you would think a win against uh, South Florida, um, you know, in the real AAC home opener. Uh, North Texas, I'd like to think we'd play them tough. Same with Charlotte. Uh, Air Force could go either way. Temple, you would think that you would stomp them. UAB, I mean, that's a good team. So who, who knows? East Carolina, we've played well against. SMU, we've played well against. And then we're at Army. So, I mean, if we're not in a bowl game in uh, in December or January, I'm, I think, you know, we'll, we'll be disappointed. Yeah, I circled the calendar on November 4th as Navy travels up 95 to play Temple. I'm talking to you, Colin Schofield, you and your scrub crew, Kinley, Austin, the rest of you guys. The Navy contingent is going to bring it back into North Philly and crush you guys on November 4th. That'll be a fun time at Lincoln Financial Field, hopefully unlike the last time that WAG saw Navy play at Temple, there will be more than 12 people in the stands. WAGs, what were your thoughts on the schedule? You know, Chris kind of kind of heavyweighted it at the beginning. The first thing that flew off of the, the schedule to me was, wow, this is a lot more manageable than a lot of the schedules that Nehemiah had to deal with in the past. It gets tough toward the end going to SMU for your almost annual like Thanksgiving road trip. I don't know why we always travel to Texas for Thanksgiving, but what were your thoughts? Yeah, it used to be that they always played Houston right around Thanksgiving, usually like the day after. Uh, you know, we knew this was going to happen. The American Athletic Conference is changing, and you you don't play Houston, Cincinnati, and Central Florida, and now you're playing North Texas, Charlotte, and Alabama, Birmingham. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's definitely a more manageable schedule. And as you mentioned, you know, for the last few years, Navy's been playing a pretty solid uh, non-conference opponent in that one opening they have, you know, teams like Marshall. I mean, now you've got Wagner, which is, you know, that's that that's going to be a, a breather. Let's be honest. So and I agree with Chris. South Florida's been down. Uh, you know, North Texas, I think, was in a bowl game last year, but that's a team that you can beat. I mean, I just there's victories on the schedule for sure. There is a definite opportunity to get six wins and get back to a bowl. So uh, we kind of knew this was going to happen. The schedule was going to lighten up. And lighten up it did. Um, talking to all of you prospective sponsors out there, if you want to host the Sync Second Sports 2023 pregame show, we are open to your ideas. But I'm excited about this schedule. 
we will see you not only in Dublin on August 25th, but bring it back to Annapolis on September 9th as we have the home opener against Wagner. Now, who will be the quarterback of that team? By the way, happy belated birthday to Ty Lavatai, who had a birthday earlier this week. But Xavier Arline right now is the quarterback as Ty comes back from injury, um, who will presumptively lead this team next year, depending on how Ty comes back from the injury. But right now, Xavier Arline is playing lacrosse and wags as we finish up our review of what happened in the past week. You and I were in the press box as Navy lacrosse took a 4-1 lead into halftime and we just thought it was fate accompli at that point. Like, that, eh, Navy lacrosse is going to beat Manhattan. Nice little showing for them. And then when the final whistle sounded, Navy lacrosse lost 6-5. That name, Xavier Arline, is going to be our guest next week on March 1st. We can't wait to talk to him about balancing football and lacrosse. But Wags, you said it during our Instagram lives during the game. Xavier Arline was not on point during that game. And his inaccuracy, I think, played a very large role in the final result there in that he just couldn't hit the cage. And in the second half, none of his teammates could hit the cage. Well, he and midfielder Pat Scowniak primarily, uh, but it it was an entire team effort of poor shooting. Uh, Just couldn't put the ball on target in those Shots that did go on goal were saved. I mean, their their goalie played is is out of his mind. But I I did not think the goalie had to make difficult saves. I don't think Navy really challenged him by putting the shots into corners and really placing them well. So, you know, it's after six weeks of exams, and I Coach Amplo after the game would not use that as an excuse. Said that you know we're we're not we're not using exams as an excuse. We we should have been ready to play. He had given them a day off during the week to get some rest. Uh, disappointing performance, really. Um, there's no two ways around it. The team was 3-0, and and uh, Coach Amplo indicated that, you know, maybe the guys thought they should beat Manhattan. They'd beaten them twice before, and maybe they thought this was a guaranteed win, and, oh, boy, were they wrong. Uh, Navy's got to rebound for that from that game quickly, John. Yeah, and quickly they have the opportunity to do that on Saturday as they make the trip down to North Carolina to play St. Mary's product, Zach Overend, and High Point. Um, We just talked to Zach Overend's cousin, Travis Pastrana, um, earlier in the show. That'll be a nice nice thing for the Overend family as Navy goes down to play High Point. I don't think Zach's going to get any PT. He's just a freshman. Uh, But good luck to men's lacrosse as they try to get off of the schneid. Navy women's lacrosse got a win last weekend despite a gas leak up in Monmouth, uh, which was sort of Bush League. They get a chance to keep their winning ways going also on the road this weekend at a small school up on the main line. It's called Villanova University. You guys might know it as the Naval Academy of the North. It's not a big deal. What else is happening this weekend? Coming off of winning the Patriots, men's and, men's and women's swimming and diving host the ECAC championships. That starts Friday come out and support them. Men's gymnastics is at the Winter Cup in Louisville, Kentucky. I failed to mention at the beginning, but they came in second this past week in the All-Academy Championships, which I know Coach Kip Simons was not happy with. We'll talk to him later on in the year about how the season is progressing. But after beating Army in the star meet, finishing second in the All-Academies down in Texas, I know was not on Kip Simons' list of things to do. So we'll see how they rebound from that. As we get into the weekend, ECAC championships continue. Men's and women's tennis is in action. Men's men's tennis gets to play Villanova at Tose, uh, 10 a.m. on Saturday, so come out and support them. The Patriot League championships start on Saturday for men's and women's track and field. 11 a.m., come support them as they try to secure another Patriot League championship. And then, as you guys well know, Saturday night ends with the women at Colgate for basketball, the men at home for basketball, a 4 p.m. start at Alumni. Uh, We will be there. We'll bring you all the action from senior day to send off these seniors, and a lot of seniors are being sent off into the sunset. Wags, you've got the final word before we go out. Well, looking forward to brigade boxing on Friday night. It's always a special event. Never fails to uh, live up to its billing. It's just incredible atmosphere in Alumni Hall. Love all the brigade of midshipmen going crazy for their uh, various company mates when they are in the ring. So 
that's an exciting one. And I, and as Chris mentioned, I agree. I'm very eager to see how Navy matches up with Colgate. You know, they played them in the championship last year. And I, I don't think, you know, I, I think that this senior laden team, uh, I, I would love to see them send Colgate a message on Saturday, John, for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap. So many thanks to Paul Costacopoulos, Jim McNally, Bill Wagner, and Chris Cervello. For that esteemed group, I am John Schofield. We will see you next week when we talk to women's lacrosse team captain Charlotte Ryan and men's lacrosse player and football player Xavier Arline. But for now, this is Sing Second Sports. We'll see you on the flip. Go Navy. Beat everyone. We're out. Thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.